So much of modern motherhood is spent wishing we were doing better, whether we're comparing ourselves to other moms or to the ideal mom we assumed we'd be before we had kids. But this wishing takes us further and further away from joy, and it stops us from being the mom we want to be. I'm Rebecca Brownwright, and I'm here to help you focus on connection, because connecting more deeply with yourself and with your kids will help you forget about mom comparisons. Connection will help you resolve behavior issues with your kids, and connection will help you live a life full of real joy, because that's what you and your kids deserve. Pause and connect with me for a moment to listen to discussions about connection and motherhood, finding your purpose, smashing cultural narratives, and so much more. This is Pause and Connect. pause and connect. This is episode 35 and it's called There Is No Perfect Consequence. First, it's been a while since I've been here. I, uh, I'm in a grad school program to become a school psychologist and some semesters are just busier than others I'm learning. So um, so I appreciate that you're here. Uh, my, my presence here is pretty spotty, but I still love being here on the podcast. I love being on social media. I just, it's just spotty with my, with the time that I have available. So I appreciate that you're here. I still have my back and forth journal for sale, always for sale and my course on how to stop yelling. And you can find all that at rebeccabrownwright.com um, or through my social media, pause and connect. So I'm still there. Uh, it's just uh, harder to get to, um, to record podcasts and to be on social media and I miss it so much. So I'm happy to be here today. So the title and topic about this episode today, there is no perfect consequence. Um, it, it's kind of, it's kind of a hard one to define. So I hope that as you listen, you'll understand where, what I'm saying here. Um, consequences, as we talk about them in our society, we kind of like everybody has a different way of defining it. Um, so that kind of makes it tricky to talk about. I hope it will be clear as we're going, but it comes about because I there's this common question I see, and I'm in a lot of parenting groups, and I frequently see these posts that they detail like an unwanted behavior that a child is doing, right? Like we all have like, oh, my kid keeps doing this thing. And then the next thing that they say is, what's the right consequence to get them to stop doing this thing? Now, I want to be clear that I'm not using this example to critic criticize the people who are asking this question because it totally makes sense why they're asking this question. Like my child is doing X, how do, what consequence should I choose to get them to stop? That question makes sense because of our society. And I'll talk about that in this episode. But with what we understand about attachment needs of children and about child development, now, when I say we, I don't, I like, it's obviously not something that everybody understands. And so that's what I'm hoping to share. Um, but what science is talking about attachment and about child development, that that shows that this isn't really the right question to be asking. It's not really the right question to say, my child is doing X, what consequence should I choose to get them to stop? So first, let me lay out why people are asking this question and why it makes sense that they are. And then I'll explain what I mean about attachment and child development and the science of it and why that means that this isn't the right question. Um, Actually, first, let me let me define what I think people are saying when they use consequence in this way, the term consequence. So what what this what what this means in this sense is the person is looking for some sort of thing to make the child do that will ensure the child learns their lesson and or doesn't do the action again. So for example, their child keeps climbing on the table 
and they want something they can do to their child or make the the child do to get them to stop climbing on the table. So this might be a spanking, a timeout, or a chore, you know, but basically they're looking for the solution in the thing to do to the child or to make the child do to stop the behavior and make the child learn the behavior was not appropriate. So in this light, I kind of view consequence and punishment as the same thing because the parent is looking to manufacture an action to do to the child or to have the child do. And they want it to be something significant enough that makes the child learn a lesson. Now, I also know that there's natural consequences, and I'll talk a little bit about that later. Um, those aren't necessarily punishments. And that's where I'm, I said at the beginning, like this word, it's hard to define consequence because we kind of use it interchangeably with punishment, but then we also talk about natural consequences, which is not punishment. So it's it's very, very confusing. Um So I'll talk more about natural consequences later, but for now and for the purpose of this podcast and for the purpose of what I'm seeing when people are asking this question is the definition of consequence is more like punishment. So it's manufacturing an action to do to the child or to make the child do in order to get the child to stop doing something or to make them understand why they shouldn't do that thing. Um, Hopefully that makes sense. So why do we do this? Why do parents look to consequences? And and I'm, again, using it interchangeably pretty much with punishment. Why do we do that? Why do we look to that as the solution to when our child is misbehaving? Now, I'm speaking from a white American middle-class viewpoint when I talk about this. So I, I, maybe what I have to say about this won't be generalized to everywhere. Um, But from my experience in that situation, consequences and punishment, or the same thing, are really the rule and not the exception in parenting. We have a lot of messaging that tells us we can't let our kids get away with misbehavior or they're going to walk all over us. Or my favorite, well, not really my favorite, but it does make me laugh, is when people say that your child will end up in jail if you don't nip their behavior in the bud. That is fear-based decision-making. That is fear-based parenting. There's basically saying, okay, your child is two and they're screaming because they're not getting a sucker. Well, if you don't stop them from screaming, they're going to go to jail in 20 years. Like, I don't think so. That doesn't, that, it does not make sense. Uh, But we hear it all the time. So it actually does make sense because we've accepted it, that this is true. And if we don't nip something in the, in the bud, then it's going to result in disaster later on. Like that's, that's the narrative we've been told. So we, it kind of feels true, but it's not. Anytime somebody is trying to scare or shame you into being harsher with your child, think hard about what they're saying. Anytime somebody is trying to connect this tiny present moment to some imagined terrible outcome 20 years later, think hard about what they're saying because that is anxiety and fear talking. And while we should think about how current actions impact the future, that's not what's happening here, okay? Because these mindsets are trying to get us to be afraid of a very unlikely outcome based on a completely unconnected tiny moment. Now, I have an episode about this that goes into more detail. It's episode two, and it's called Society Says to Control Your Child. Say no. And I'll link to that in the show notes if you want to hear more about that thought. But Back to consequences. Um, the other thing that people frequently say about consequences is that uh, this is what's wrong with our society. There's a lack of respect because parents don't 
give their children consequences. But that's kind of funny too, because what's wrong with our society is the adults. (laughs) The adults are being just absolutely awful to people. And these are adults who were raised with punishment and spanking and made up consequences. And they're the ones who are saying that society is going to pot. But they're the ones who are out in society being mean, right? So punishment and spanking didn't help them, right? Because they're out there being mean. So punishment and spanking didn't solve that problem, did it? <laughs> Yet, okay, I have compassion for this mindset because I do understand it. I I felt this for a long time, you know, like I have to find the right consequence so my child will learn not to do this behavior. Parenting is probably the highest stake thing we're doing, right? And we don't want to get it wrong. So every moment feels important and every decision feels like a slippery slope to some sort of unwanted behavior in the future because it's so anxiety filled. It's so important to get it right. Um, But that again is is fear-based and anxiety-based and we can learn to kind of reject that notion and reject that mindset. Uh, it's not easy, but we we can we can learn to do it. I, I do want to say it, it makes sense if we if we feel this way because we've just been it's been happening our whole lives. We've been hearing these messages our whole lives, right? We've been taught to nip behavior in the bud by punishing. Now it used to be spanking like, you need to nip this behavior in the bud by spanking your child. And that isn't quite as supported now. There's plenty of science to show us it is not useful and it's very harmful to spank. But I know people still do. And it's likely because we come from this society that teaches us to control our children now so they don't walk all over us in the future, right? And so that's that's what we've been given. Like, you need to control your children. And, and if we aren't given... A different narrative if we aren't given different tools then like we tend to have to uh, control and spanking is kind of a natural thing that's going to come about I'm not saying it's right and I actually am saying it's very very wrong and I'm here to provide that other way that other mindset that other those other tools okay um we're going to dismantle that concept in this episode so keep listening okay because Spanking isn't as advocated for anymore, right? But the same concept is. We're still trying to control our children or nip their behavior in the bud. And we do it by reaching for the right punishment or consequence. We call it a consequence, but it's often a punishment. And we kind of soften the way it sounds (laughs) to call it, and we call it a consequence instead and kind of convince ourselves that we're teaching them the appropriate lesson. But anytime we're inventing a negative consequence to control a behavior, what we're really doing is punishing, okay? Now, like I said earlier, there are natural consequences. And so that's why this subject is so difficult to talk about because like sometimes, yes, consequences have to happen because that's just the way the world is. There's just natural consequences. But then there are made up consequences. And that's that's just what that's what we're talking about dismantling and getting rid of are these made up consequences. So kind of defining natural consequences, natural consequences just happen. Like if your child leaves their bike outside and it gets rained on, then the chain may rust. It just happens. Now, a made up consequence would be when you assign an extra chore to your child because they left their bike out in the rain. Does that make sense? Like 
the they already got the natural consequence and then you add on a consequence. That's really a punishment, but we call it a consequence to soften it. Hopefully that's making sense. Um, so they're both hard. Both experiences are hard, but one just happens because it just happens. And one has been designed to make your child feel bad, essentially. It's a punishment, even if we want to call it a consequence. But again, this is what we've been taught to do as a society. We've been taught to make sure our children learn their lesson. So we go seeking for the perfect consequence to make sure that lesson sticks. And it makes sense. It really does. But only because our society has designed it to make sense. We love punishments in our society. They somehow make us feel safe and in control, but it's an illusion. It really is. We're never in control. So what if there's a better way? And aha, there is a better way. That's what this is all about. What we know about the science of attachment, that's what I'm going to talk about now. It is incredible and it provides us with a portion of that better way. So what we know is that children are designed to seek attachment to their caregivers. It is a fundamental need and they can't not pursue that attachment. Like we are born that way. This is this is something that we all have. We have a need to seek attachment to our caregivers. Now, it goes awry a lot. And so when I say that, you might think, well, I don't, I don't feel that with my parents because my parents didn't treat me well or, or whatever. And yes, like there's been a disconnect with the attachment, but there's still a need to be wanted, loved, approved of by our parents. That, that's just something that all of us have, um, especially children, because they are helpless and they can't go anywhere else to fill up their cup. They have to come to us, right? Um, so they want approval and connection more than anything, and they will do anything to get it. That's the science here. And it can look so different from child to child. And that's what makes it challenging to recognize that sometimes our children are just responding to that fundamental need to have attachment to their parents. Because like one child might act out as a way to get that attachment. Now, they don't necessarily know that they're seeking connection. They just know that they want that they have this need to be connected, to be loved, to be, um, to feel affection from their parents. And they might not think it through and realize that acting out is going to result in a punishment. They're just hardwired to seek attention. And this is how their, their body and their nervous system propels them to seek attention, to seek attachment, to seek that love from their parents. Now I want to kind of like make a distinction here because you'll hear a lot, um, well, that's just, they're just attention seeking and they use that as like a negative thing. Like that child is just doing attention seeking behaviors. So let's punish them or let's ignore them or let's put them in timeout. Um, but if your child is doing attention seeking behaviors, like they need attention. That's period. That's the way it is. Like, it's not a manipulation. It's not a bad thing. Like, give them attention. If your child is seeking attention, give them attention. It's not being used to manipulate you. It's being used because that is their fundamental need. They need attachment. And so they're seeking attention to get that attachment. Okay. Um, so that's, that's one way that is difficult to recognize. Like, oh, my child is actually looking for attachment when they're acting out, when they're pulling the cat's tail and hitting their brother. Like, that. this is actually like a, they, a way to um, be noticed and get the attachment that they need. 
Um, and again, it's not manipulation. It's it's just their biology that's that's making them do it. Um, then there's another one that you you might have experienced or you might you might see this. Like another child might bury their feelings and emotions. A lot of us have done this. So when they get punished, they internalize their feelings and they accept their punishment so that they can get back to the attachment with their parents as quickly as possible. Um, that's harmful as well, right? Of course, especially if you if you did this, then you grow up into an adult who really struggles to um, to voice their needs because you have learned to internalize your feelings and accept punishment so that you can get back to being liked, being attached to your parents. Um, this this is an example. I an attachment therapist told this story in a class that I took, and it illustrates it perfectly. I'll probably get details wrong. Um, and I think that's okay because it's just the concept. Um, and the story also shows that if we're only looking at surface behavior, it really does look like punishment works. Um, but when we know the attachment underneath everything, then we can realize that children aren't getting what they need from punishment. And this story really shows that. So the attachment therapist said she saw a baby, we'll call it a he, and we'll say that he he was like one, maybe, he was like almost walking, you know, so around one. And he was trying to get his father's attention during a meeting. Now, the father was paying attention to the speaker and did what we all do. <laughs> we, he just handed his child a toy. The child fussed a bit and grabbed at their dad. And so the father kind of absent-mindedly handed another toy or some sort of snack or something. You, you know what this looks like. I know what this looks like because we've all been there, right? And this isn't a criticism of that at all because we have a lot of competing needs as caregivers. And so sometimes we just do this and we don't give attention to our children. And it's it's life. Like we're not going to beat ourselves up over that. This is just the way life is. Um, but so then the child fussed some more. So the dad picked him up and walked to the back of the room, but still focusing on the speaker. So never did the dad stop and look at the child or say anything to the child. And again, I'm not, I'm not criticizing the dad because we've all been in this situation too, where we're just trying to get the thing done or pay attention to the thing that we need to. And the, our kids are, um, making it difficult and we have these competing needs and we, we choose, we choose one need and, and sometimes that is not our child. Um, so it's, it's again, something that we all have been through. So anyway, standing at the back of the room, focusing on the speaker, the child just keeps getting really upset because he's not feeling attached, right? Like now that we know that the science of attachment, like the child really just wanted to feel securely attached to his father. So he's, now he's wiggling, he's fussing louder, he's crying. Now, because the dad's priority in this moment was the speaker, he really felt a strong need to control his child. And I think that that's a really good thing for us all to remember. When our priority is something else, then it it can intensify our need to control our children's behavior. Um, again, like I think this is a natural thing, but it's really good to be aware of so we can we can work with it instead of instead of uh, what happened next. So what happened next is he um, he smacked his child on on his leg, he, he his bare leg, and um, oh, I I didn't even think I was gonna cry about this, but this this makes me just so sad. Um, and I. I, I have spanked my children um, before I understood this. And so I if you're listening and you've done this too, I don't say this to make you feel bad. But I just now on the other side, what I understand about attachment, it, it just is so um, hard to talk about this. Um, but so again, 
please don't take this as a criticism of you, but please do listen and take this as a way to change your future actions. So what the child did next was his mouth grew huge. He's just been smacked. His eyes grew wide. And the therapist who's telling this story, she was sure he was going to cry, going to scream, right? But then just as suddenly he buried his face in his father's neck and he didn't cry. Um, and that's, that's the thing here. That's the science of attachment. The child's need for attachment and connection to his father was greater than his need to cry when he was in pain. So let that sink in. This baby figured out how to control his need to cry when he was hurting because he wanted attachment to his father more than anything else. So that is some deep science. (laughs) That is deep. Now, somebody else watching this who doesn't know about attachment might look at how the baby stopped themselves from crying and see, wow, hitting your child is the right thing to do because look, the baby stopped. The baby controlled their emotions. So being firm and strict and harsh is the right thing to do. And I think that's where the idea that we need to punish our children comes from, because in a lot of cases, it does stop behavior. Now, side note, I want to add that for some kids, it does not stop behavior. It just intensifies it. For example, a child with ADHD who really lacks impulse control more so than their peers is not going to be able to stop their behavior. I mean, some will. I don't want to be... uh, make a blanket statement there, but somebody who has an impaired impulse impulse uh, control may struggle more and they may not stop their behavior and then everything may escalate. And if you have a child like that, you know, you've been there. And if you've seen child children like that, you know, you've seen it. But the the point is with this this baby, many kids will stop their behavior when they are punished or spanked because they desperately want and need that connection to their parent, even when their parent is hurting them. So on the outside, it looks like they're learning self-control, but they're actually not. What they're learning is to ignore their own comfort and safety as a way to get the approval and attachment and connection that they need. This is heavy. This is heavy and it hurts to hear if you've already parented with punishment and spanking I know I have, and it makes me so emotional when I think of this. We don't want to hurt our children in this way. But the good news, and there's always good news because our brains are so freaking incredible. Children can form new connections in their brains. They can heal. So if you begin connecting, and it's that quick, if you begin connecting in their hard times instead of punishing or spanking, and you provide a safe attachment in their hard times, they form new connections in their brain that help them learn, that help them heal, that help them um, gain greater self-control. And it it happens very quickly. Now, it doesn't mean their behavior changes very quickly. Um, Sometimes that takes a really long time, but the brain connections begin forming immediately. And so that's the good news. We can use this science of attachment, this science of connection to create new connections in our children's brain. Um, it's just, it's just fantastic. And those connections in their brain help their behavior. They help 
their self-control. They help all of those things that are causing us to feel like we want to punish them. So it, it works all the way around. It's really beautiful. So that's that's what we're here to talk about. We're here to talk about how to use this science to strengthen our children and ourselves. Now, a note about us, about you, about ourselves, because this is not easy work, <laughs> especially if you were spanked or punished as a child. And most of us were, okay? So let's just, it's just the way it was. What we need to do is take the time to recognize that because of the way that you were punished, you are hardwired to want to punish your child. Because those were the connections that were formed in your brain as you were punished. And we, we don't need to uh, demonize our parents because they were hardwired the same way and their parents and their parents. Now, of course, if you were, um, if you were severely abused, I, I'm not, I'm not saying like, let it go. I am just saying to most of us, mainstream parenting, um, that's just the way it was. And it's, it's sad, but, um, but it's just the way it was. And we, we know better now, but that doesn't mean we know how to overcome our wiring, right? Like it, we formed these certain connections in our brains when we were young and now we have to unlearn that. So something I am learning personally is that whenever I find myself upset with my child, and I mean the overly upset where I want to yell or I do yell or I want to punish or I do punish, it's normally about something that I haven't resolved from my childhood. It really is. So like if, um, and this isn't my personal, my personal example, um, but if, if you know, like if you feel like you, um, you're not, your children aren't listening to you and that just sends you over the edge, that might be because you felt like your parents never listened to you, you know, something like that. So those are the things that can cause you to snap. But those are good clues. When you snap, that's a good clue that there's something you haven't worked out yet. And so it's it's kind of, it, you can take that as like, whoa, I need to go back and I need to give myself some love and affection for what I didn't have as a child. And I need to heal. And a really good therapist can help that. Um, and then these moments can become less triggering as a parent. Now, this is a constant work. This is not easy. But I can also tell you from my experience that connecting with your kids is a really beautiful way to rewire yourself and to to kind of heal from whatever happened to you as a child. So not only are you rewiring your child with each connection you make, you're also rewiring, that's a hard word to say, rewiring your own brain to seek connection instead of control when you're upset. Isn't that beautiful? So when your child messes up and or they're throwing a meltdown and you go to connect with them instead of giving them a harsh punishment, you're also creating a new connection in your own brain that is going to help you want to seek connection instead of control the next time. So every effort you make to provide a secure attachment to your child is also going to help you heal. Isn't that beautiful? It's just so beautiful. So our brains are incredible. <laughs> so the next element of this concept about what this whole podcast is about, why saying what's the perfect consequence is not the right question. The next element of that is that we need to understand childhood development better. I wish we were all required to take a human development course in high school because the world would be a much, much kinder place if we all understood where humans are at in their development. Because a lot of what we're doing to children and expecting of children is beyond their developmental capabilities. So it's just 
if we all understood that, we would be so much kinder and so much just, oh, it would just be so much better. And even, even adults, um, we would understand adults even better. It's just, oh, I just wish we could all learn it. But here's some examples. So toddlers have hardly any impulse control if they have any at all. So when they hit the cat, it's, it's not that they are naughty. You might think, but I told them this morning not to hit the cat. They're not listening to me. They're so naughty. But that's not the case because first of all, their memories are tiny and their working memory, which is like being able to hold information in their mind and then like use it right away. Like that's teeny tiny too. So you told them, but they forgot it. Or if you just told them, they forgot how to apply it to what they're doing, okay? And then secondly, even if they could remember, their impulse impulse control is not manageable yet. They have very little impulse control. They live in the now. So they see the cat, they wanna touch the cat, and for some reason they end up hitting the cat. It looks to you like they had time to think that through, but because of the way that their brains are working at this stage, before they had a moment to think about consequences or to remember rules, they had already acted. They, so there in their mind, there was no, there was no stopping and thinking. It was just acting. So can you see how punishing for something they literally can't control is not helpful? Or how about another, an example with an older child? So your seven-year-old tells you they brushed their teeth, but you know they didn't. I use this example all the time because it happens so much in my house. It's so frustrating. But um, I, I, maybe, maybe it's only my house, but it's probably others. Anyway, so basically they're telling you a lie. I brushed my teeth. No, they didn't. Okay. So did you know this is developmentally appropriate? <laughs> Crazy. I know. But the thing that's happening in this stage, like six to 10 years old, is that they're learning how to stretch the truth to match what they want to happen. Now, it doesn't mean that they're doing it maliciously. It's actually a new skill. They're learning the lines between truth and fiction. Um, they just don't know how to use it appropriately yet. So they don't want to go and brush their teeth. They still don't have a handle on their impulsivity, like toddlers, and they know it's it, that it, it's possible to stretch the truth. So they they could just say something, and maybe it will be true. So before they think it true, think it through, <laughs> they tell a lie. Now this does not mean they're morally corrupt. They're doing exactly what their brain is designed to do at this stage, as frustrating as it is. The lie is self-preservation in the way their brain understands to use self-preservation. Because brushing their teeth is an undesired action, they don't want to do it. Their brain helps them figure out a way out of it through stretching the truth. It's not bad in their mind. And even if you've told them a hundred times that this is immoral, this is inappropriate, they're still not immoral and inappropriate for not following through because they still don't have a handle on impulse control. And while they are getting a better handle on rules and concreteness, it's still new to them. They've only been practicing for a couple of years, if that. So they don't understand how this all works together. They can walk and talk, and so it seems like they should understand this. You can, you reason with them, so it seems like they should understand this, but that doesn't mean they understand perfectly how all of these concepts go together. So that's really helpful to know. Okay, teenagers. So your teenager might start fighting your rules and pushing back, especially when they see that their connection with their friends, with other teenagers is being threatened. Now this is normal because their need to be accepted, to be loved, to be, um, to, to all of that is kind of moving outwards towards uh, towards their peers. Um, they still want 
to be connected to you and accepted by you, but they also have this competing interest to be connected and accepted by those outside of the home. So they also understand the rules of society and how they fit into society, but not quite. Like they get it more and they can have really intelligent conversations with you, but they still don't quite understand everything. They're still not completely aware of how it all works together. They want independence and they want to fit in socially. Plus their impulse control is not fully developed yet. Are we seeing a theme here with impulse control that does not develop until our 20s? Doesn't fully develop until our 20s. So those needs to be liked by people at school, to be liked by their peers, those needs to feel independent, that can override their brain. And because they don't have impulse control completely done yet, they don't stop to always have a nice, collected, reasoned conversation with you when they see that they are being threatened in some way. And threats are as simple as you can't wear that out of the house, you know? Like it sounds silly, but that is a threat to the brain of the teenager. So does this all make sense? The more we understand about child development, the more we can recognize that our toddler isn't defying us when they climb on the kitchen table, even though we told them not to do it yesterday. The more we can recognize child development, then we can recognize that our child isn't disrespectful when they get in a fight with their sibling because things don't feel fair to them. The more we can see that our teenager isn't being a brat when they want to spend time with their friends instead of the family. And this is how child development meets attachment. Kids want to please you, even when their biology and their development is sending them towards stretching the truth or running out of the house to see their friends or climbing on the table. They still have that innate need to be loved and accepted by you. And they'll even put their own needs aside to meet that. Remember the baby who put aside his need to cry when he was in pain because he wanted the attachment with his parent. All of our kids are doing that. All of our kids are at some stage of needing and wanting our approval and our attachment, but they're not, their child development is preventing them from acting in a way that shows it sometimes. That makes sense? They want to do well. They want to please you. No child wakes up and says, oh, this is the day I'm really going to make my parents mad. Like nobody does that. They want your love and attention. They want your attachment, your affection. So when their development interferes and they tell a lie, they have a meltdown, they sneak out of the house, and then you come down hard with punishment, that breaks the attachment. And so that leads to the the threat response. You know, you've heard of fight, flight, freeze. That leads them to fight, to, to run away, to freeze. There's also two more Fs that are being added. You've heard of fawn where like that will lead them to just kind of like, just like do whatever to make you happy. And then fib is another one that I've seen um, from a couple of scientists that they're adding that, that lying is a threat response. It's a reaction to threats. So fight, flight, freeze, fawn, or fib. That's, that's why our kids do that a lot of the time. Punishment sends, sends them into a dysregulated state. And remember, I'm using punishment as the same as the type of consequence that where we're trying to control behavior. So punishment consequences that are made up send them into a dysregulated state and their nervous system goes wackadoo and they have to get your affection back somehow. But they don't have that impulse control or that emotional control down yet. So they do big, difficult things. 
Understand that these big difficult things are reactions to punishments or to the perceived withdrawal of your love. You know you're not withdrawing your love and it's clear as day to you, but their nervous system doesn't understand that. Even if logically later they can say, yeah, I know you weren't withdrawing your love. In the moment, it feels like that. They may not even understand why they're behaving the way that they are. So how does that change things when you hear that? Kids do well when they can. If they aren't doing well, something is getting in the way. Punishments often get in the way. So that's why there's no perfect consequence. That's why that's not the right question. You can't say, my kid keeps climbing on the table. What's the perfect consequence to get him to stop? Because that's not what he needs. Made up consequences aren't going to help our children learn when what's really going on is that they aren't fully developed yet and they are seeking our approval and connection. Something as arbitrary as forcing your child to do a chore while they cry because they keep standing on the table is not going to help your child form the connections in their brain to learn the skill of not standing on the table. So what's the solution? This all like kind of feels dire the way that I'm saying it. I'm realizing that right now, but there is a solution. Yay. There's a fantastic solution. Solution, keep their development in mind and connect with them. Use the science of attachment to help your family. So when your child is melting down, when your child tells a lie, when your child talks back to you, connect. I know that's so weird, but do it. Because what we understand of attachment their theory is that children are seeking for that attachment, attachment, seeking for that connection with us. So when we connect with them, then we they get what they need to calm their nervous system, to help them become regulated. And then there's more steps after this. Don't worry. We're not just going to attach and and connect and have that be the end. Okay. But connect by looking them in the eye, giving them a hug, moving gently toward them, putting your hand on their shoulder, saying their name gently, telling them you love them, crouching down below them, sitting by them, putting your arms out and inviting them in, taking a breath to regulate yourself, lowering your voice, talking gently to them. Remember that whatever they have done was probably due to their development and their lack of impulse control and their lack of emotional control. So remember, that's not fully developed yet. They are still learning these skills and they didn't access them in the moment for whatever reason. Sometimes they can access them, but sometimes they can't. So give them grace. Look underneath the behavior to what they might be communicating. What skill are they missing? What connection are they missing? That's why there's no perfect script for this. That's why connection is so important. You have to do the work to connect during the hard times, and then you will see your child and what they need. Then you will have those inspired thoughts come to you and help you know what to do. It takes time. It takes work. But this builds a secure attachment. This helps your child learn to self-regulate. This reduces their acting out behavior, and it calms your parent heart. (laughs) Now, people get uncomfortable with this approach at this point because it feels like you're rewarding your child for bad behavior. But remember the science of attachment. Your child learns and their brain forms new connections when they attach securely to you. So connecting when they are dysregulated is not rewarding them for bad behavior. It's actually teaching them how to calm down. You're helping their nervous system calm down. And then they will actually have better behavior in the long run because your connection will have developed their brain connections to teach them to regulate themselves on their own. Hopefully that makes sense. And if you're still worried about this being a reward for bad behavior, consider that this isn't the end of the scenario. You don't have to connect and then walk away and never address what your child has done. The connection is just the first step. 
So after your child has been connected with, then you can work on fixing whatever has been done. Then you can teach skills. Then you can help your child to have a do-over. Then your child can be encouraged to apologize or to fix what happened, uh, to, to repair something with whoever has been hurt. At this point, this is so cool. Children will often say sorry on their own accord because they've been regulated. They've been understood. They feel the remorse that they need to feel and they want to do better. Remember, their attachment to you is a critical need. And as they feel a secure attachment, they have less to fight about. They can get to a solutions-focused mindset. Their brains can now access logic, but only now, only at this point. So at this point, you can talk about what to do next. At this point, if they need to clean up a mess they made, if if they need to clean up a mess they made, they can do it. You can work together. We can come up with a plan for how to do that. You don't have to punish them for the mess by adding an additional chore. Do you see the difference? Do you see how you don't need to invent a consequence? Nowhere do you need to make your child feel or learn something in this process. They already learned it as they attach securely to you. They already learned it as they regulated their emotions with you and had the opportunity to reflect. They learned it as they talked with you in their regulated state and made a decision for how to move forward or how to repair. These are the lessons that will keep that they'll keep taking with them from situation to situation. Now it will take time, but punishing takes time and frustration and anger. This takes time and it's more peaceful. And your child will get better and better at managing these big challenges over time. So it will take less time later. So do we see why trying to find the perfect consequence is not the right question? If your child won't stop playing with the light sockets, your your one-year-old, it's not about finding the perfect consequence to control them away from that behavior. If they won't stop hitting their sibling, it's not about trying to find the right consequence to get them to stop. There is no perfect consequence. They need to feel securely attached so they can learn how to handle the situation better. And so they can learn how to apply that to other situations. So the process now becomes connect, inspect, teach. You connect with your child as you pick them up before they reach the light socket and you kiss their cheek and oh, and you just love on them. You're connecting with them. Then you inspect what's going on. Why does your child keep trying to play with the light socket? Do they need to be supervised more closely? Do you need outlet covers? So then you figure out how to fix the situation and the environment and you make it, you make the appropriate adjustments and you teach like next time they, they head to it. Oh, this hurts. We don't touch it. Then you, you take them to another area of the house and you get them occupied. You're using connection as you go. You don't need to slap their hand. You don't need to put them in their crib because the connection and then the teaching helps them to learn. So connect, inspect, teach. If your child won't stop hitting their sibling, it's not about trying to find the right consequence that will convince them to stop. You do the connection, connect. You hug both your children. You show that you love them. Then you inspect the situation and your child's capabilities. Why did they hit their their sibling? Are they tired? Do they feel unnoticed or lonely? Do they struggle with impulse control issues? Um, So then you adjust the situation and the environment to help them be more successful. So maybe you take them aside or maybe you, um, or maybe you get them something to drink or something to eat because you can tell that they're, they're dysregulated. It's not rewarding. You're, you're helping with the environment. So then 
you teach. Remember, connect, inspect, teach. So hands are not for hitting. How can we help your sibling feel better? Because they're hurt. And you you go through that. And that inspection too, you take that and you apply it to tomorrow. So if you left your children to be on their own for an hour, but like at 45 minutes, that was when your child hit, hit their sibling, then maybe you shouldn't let them be alone for a full hour. Maybe you need to check on them at 40 minutes, you know, something like that. So that inspection helps you to improve the situation for the next time and the next time and the next time. So now in these situations, like, yes, there are kind of basic consequences. Like the baby is removed from the room. Um, the child is removed from the situation so they can't hit their sibling anymore, but these are safety consequences. These are not designed to hurt the child or force the child to learn a lesson. Do you see the difference? They're simply the safest thing to do in the moment. You don't need to add a timeout or extra chores or a spanking because you're relying on that connect, inspect, teach. So you connect to help your child regulate their emotions. You inspect the situation and your child to figure out why they aren't being successful in this situation. You teach based on what you figure out from that inspection. What skill are they lacking? How can you help them develop it? If they've broken something or they need to repair something, that comes now in the teaching. And yes, that I guess you could call that a consequence, but it's not the consequence that we defined earlier. It's not a punishment. It's not a made-up situation to force the child to learn their lesson. It's just the right thing to do after making a mistake. It's repairing the mistake. So you're not grounding them on top of fixing their mistake. Does that make sense? It's like the grounding is the punishment, the fixing the mistake, like maybe they broke a window and so now we need to tape it up and then we need to figure out how we're going to to replace that. Those are repairing the situation. Now, if you also add on top of that, well, you're grounded for a week, that's a punishment. And that's the kind of the consequence that people are always looking for. How can I make this sink in so that my child learns to never do this again? But that's what we don't need to do. That's that's what we can avoid. We don't need to add punishment. We, I hope that makes sense. Like we, with the connection, we help them regulate. With the inspection, we help them, we help ourselves figure out why this happened, what went wrong, what can be fixed for next time. And then with the teaching, we help them learn the lesson that they need to learn without adding on extra punishment. So trying to find the right consequence isn't the right question because your job isn't to control your child's behavior. It's not about the perfect consequence. It's about how to connect with your child, then how to get to the root of the challenge, then how to teach them to be more successful or to repair the situation. Connection gets you there. Connect, then inspect, then teach. I hope this has been helpful to you. Remember, I have a back and forth journal to help you connect with your child during the good times and especially in the busy times. And I have a course called How to Stop Yelling that teaches you how to use connection instead of punishment in your discipline. Have a wonderful day. Thank you so much for pausing and connecting with me today. Your support seriously means the world to me. If you found this episode helpful, I want you to know I have countless other resources for you to find more connection in your motherhood and life. Head to my website, rebeccabrownwright.com to check out my blog, check out my back and forth journal for parents and kids, and take a look at Pause and Connect Academy where you can find courses to help you stop yelling, find your strengths, and finally get your kids to listen to you. As always, if you enjoyed this episode, please consider leaving a positive review, sharing it on social media, or sharing with your friends. I love you and I want you to thrive in your motherhood and life. Thank you for being here. Now go forth and connect.